Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Masters as they travel the Vortex and arrive at episode 486. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm better. You're better. I'm still a bit gravelly, as you can hear. Yeah, so uh, we'll have to apologize to our listeners. We've been out two weeks, but that's because of, uh, well, not all. it's not all Keith's fault. I don't want to make it sound like that, but Keith's been totally ill. Keith's fault. <laughs> Keith's been ill, or not even so much ill, but just without voice, so we figured we'd wait until he could be up to full strength and we could come back so yeah i was sounding even worse (laughs) all last week so luckily i'm almost back to normal i think what was it the first week was you were gravelly and then the second week that we were going to try to do it you we had that cough that would your voice would result in that cough and you were afraid that you'd go in a coughing fit so yeah they were all kind of mixed together there did you guys do anything well, fun? Happy birthday, Sean. Yeah, happy Thank birthday. Thank you. I turned a We're year old. On what did you, uh, did you do anything special for your birthday? Um, no, it was pretty low key. We, uh, we have, uh, a, a couple of friends that, you know, kind of are in our, our pod as it were. Um, and so we just got together and played a game and cooked and then watched, uh, True Lies. Did you get to pick the movie? I didn't. They asked, uh, and I couldn't decide. So then Patrick says, how about True Lies? I was like, oh, yeah, good. And Mel was all kind of, I'm sorry it wasn't anything big. And I was like, are you kidding? You know, we got to play games. I got enchiladas. I got <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis in her underwear. This was a great birthday. So, <laughs> <laughs> But um, I actually took today off just to just to kind of have a day and then wound up. I didn't get any of the things done that I wanted to get done. Like I kind of, I kind of had not necessarily busy work, but just, I, I had kind of a plan for my relaxation mm-hmm. and didn't get to any of it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think I need another day off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off all this week. I took this week off. This is usually my spring break week that I take off. Although I missed spring break this year because the kids were actually on spring break last week, but I had already put in for this week. So what are you going to do? Kids are usually on this. Uh, just stuff around the house, you know, not going anywhere or anything. Maybe catch up on some movies and maybe some TV series that I'm trying to catch up on. But I've got a little few projects around the house, some honey-do lists to check off. We started uh, Resident Alien. Mm. I tried the first episode and didn't really like it too much. Really? That's yeah, the one with uh, Adam Tidjik. Alan Tidjik. Yeah, yeah, Alan. Yeah. Oh, Alan Tidjik. Yeah. Did I say Adam? Alan. I, I, I enjoyed it, but I think it's very much him that carries it. So it kind of depends on where you land on how much enjoyment he gives you. Have but, either of you seen Doom Patrol? Yeah. Not yet. He is so good in that. He plays Mr. Nobody, who's the pretty much the antagonist, of the, the, at least the first season. And he is just, the, 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 the character is just insanely crazy. And he pulls it off so he well. He plays that very well. Man, he does it so well. I didn't realize he was the bad guy. Now it gives me more incentive to watch that. Yeah. 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 I have to bump that up on the list a little bit. It's one of those kind of off the wall kind of, maybe sort of in the vein of like um, Deadpool for DC's universe. It's, it's more adult themed, um, mm. kind of not really fourth wall breaking, but it, it's sort of, well, I guess, yeah, it's a little fourth wall breaking as well, but it, it was good. I enjoyed it. I, it's, I mean, I haven't started the second season yet, so uh, I probably wasn't a, oh God, I got to move right on, but I did, you know, truck through <laughs> it. Uh, Titans is on my schedule to watch now too. I've mm. uh, been watching, um, going back and, and catching, not catching up, but doing another watch through the MCU. This time I'm going chronological. So, or uh, yeah, chronological. So, Captain America first, and then Captain Marvel, which is the only two we've done so far. But first time I've done it this this way, not release order. Nice. Really strange how well Captain Marvel fits into that first block. You wouldn't think yeah. so, but yeah. it does. Not bad. Holly hadn't seen it either, so she's actually she she said uh, I told her I was gonna do the watch through again. She said, there's a few that she's never seen, and so she said, "Well, when you let me know what you're watching, and if it's one I haven't seen, I'll watch it." And I was like, "Okay." 
And so I said, well, okay, the first one was Captain America, <laughs> First Avenger. She goes, okay, I haven't seen that. I was like, really? <laughs> I thought you'd seen that. Nope. So she watched that. And then I said, well, we're going to do another one you haven't seen because I know you haven't seen Captain Marvel. So we, so far, the first two we've done are ones she hasn't seen yet. So Although Iron Man's next, and I know she's seen that. But I, she may watch that one again because she likes Robert Downey Jr. Well, that one's so good. <laughs> I wanted to give I a thought pl- the resolution of WandaVision was very oh, satisfying. yeah. Man, that was so good. Uh, and... Very pleasant to see that all the expectations of the fanboys <laughs> didn't play out the way everybody thought. I, I love that how everybody was figuring stuff out as it went, and 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 there were some theories that were you know kind of came to fruition, but I thought they were obvious ones. Um, but some of the ones that 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 they were certain of just did not pan out at all. <laughs> Uh, but it was a good oh, finale. Family. So good. I yeah. read a, uh, a a fun little article. They were discussing how the, they were really struggling, apparently, with the... How, I don't know how spoilery we want to get since, you know, it has aired now. But I'm, I'm going to leak something that could potentially be a spoiler. So you've been warned. <clears throat> but um, with the vision fight, mm, yeah. that they, they wanted to make sure that it was equal parts cerebral as well as physical. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so they hit upon the, um, uh, the the story of the boat, the ship of Theseus, whatever that particular thing is, which I had actually heard elsewhere. I think I initially heard that in a Terry Pratchett novel uh, that he kind of borrowed that as this yeah. is the acts of my father. It's also in a, uh, oh shoot, it's in a, it's in a film too, and I can't remember, uh, maybe it'll come to me. I, I didn't realize it was in the film, but I had just seen this week that it's also been used in another movie. But they, they hit upon that idea and thought, oh, that'll be great. That's exactly what we need. So they wrote the whole thing and, and did it. And it, apparently it wasn't until way later in the, in the production that somebody said, oh, you pulled that from the comic, huh? And they went, what? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, yeah, it's in, the, it's in the vision comics that they, they do this exact, you know, some of the dialogue, even we thought you just lifted it from the comic. And, they kind of rolled their eyes and went, wow, that would have been a lot easier to write had we known that. <laughs> and once again, I have to point to the continuity folks and go, well, you have one job, guys. <laughs> but I, I was, I was, I was very, I, like, I like how Paul Bettany um, pretty much trolled everybody in all of the interviews. He was saying that there was a, a guy he really wanted to work with. He was really excited <laughs> to work with and he finally got to work with him. And so, of course, everybody. <laughs> for weeks we're speculating who was this guy that who was this going to be the surprise uh guest appearance that that paul bentley hadn't worked with and was excited to work with and this great actor and yeah this great actor and uh <laughs> then he he did finally reveal that he was referring to himself <laughs> <laughs> oh i love paul bentley i do too he's a good the guy. uh the making of assembled was mm-hmm. pretty interesting too yeah. to see the level of detail they went into in the fifties episode. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't occur to me that um, a lot of his um, facial stuff is tracked CG. Yeah, me neither. I figured it was just prosthetics. Yeah, which has to probably be better that he doesn't have to put all the prosthetics on for that. Oh yeah, they just has to paint himself purple <laughs> and then maroon. Yeah, yeah. He was blue. I thought it was interesting too that they had to paint him blue for the uh, uh, black and white stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to give a plug out to. I've just uh, received a, a book called uh, "Bookworm: An Unauthorized and Unconventional Guide to the Doctor Who Novels, Volume One." Um, it's from ATB Publishing, and I just got it in the mail. And it is Volume One is the New Adventures, and so it's 1991 to 1997. And it, I, it seems to me, from what I can, I can tell, it's kind of maybe like a similar to the discontinuity guide, but for the novels. And I'm assuming Volume One because it's the uh, new adventures uh, volumes two is probably going to be the uh, eighth doctor adventures volume pre or or maybe the missing adventures will be volume two and then uh, so i'm wondering if they're going to go through all the different book lines and uh, do them but i've just had a a a quick brush through it and it looks really interesting Um, that's probably all i'm going to say about it now i probably will review it but it will be way down the line because i'm going to kind of read it as I'm finishing each of the novels. And since I'm only about 10 or 11 books into the series so far, it's going to be a little while before I get there. So <laughs> I take a little bit. Right. Right. 
You guys do anything else this week? Uh, we just celebrated Liam's birthday. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Party one with year's grandparents old. on uh, Saturday, which was fun. And he, I think he had a good time. He's not quite used to being the center of attention like his sister is. So <laughs> he was a little bit shy, but he warmed up and liked his smash cake. <laughs> Can't believe he's that old already. I know. I know. Been a year. He's almost walking, standing up on his own from not even holding on to anything and being able to take a couple of steps so it's not far away. Toddler years are coming. Oh, yes. Well, do we have any news to talk about today? Uh, one bit of news. Big Finished announced that a long-lost Russell T. Davies story will be brought to life on audio. Now, this is a story written in 1986 by RTD called The Mind of Hodiac. And this will star Colin Baker and Bonnie Langford as the Sixth Doctor and Mel. Very so cool. it's being co-written by Russell T. Davies and Scott Hancock for the new audio edition. So what do we know about this? Is this a uh, is this something that he wrote and was like a spec script, or is this something he wrote and was going to submit as one of his novel ideas? Because you know he wrote one of the Virgin New Adventures as well. I believe it was like just a hour long episode synopsis. Uh. uh he wrote a whole hour-long episode plus a detailed synopsis for the second final episode. Ah, I see. So it's kind of just a a fan-made script right. that he wrote. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, is there any indication, or do we know, was it originally written as a Sixth Doctor script, or did Big given Finn that he wrote it in '86, I'm assuming it was. I'm sorry. Given it was written in '86, I'm assuming it was, but okay. they don't specify. Very cool. Well, I'm excited to get any uh, get more. Uh, Russell T. Davis stuff. It's been a while since gotten any Doctor Who from him other than the, the little things he's done. Yeah, it'll be really cool to hear him write for an old Doctor. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, should we review our book? I am the master. So I'm not going to read the synopsis for the book itself because we have synopses for each individual stories. So first up is Anger Management. Blackmailed by a sinister biomechanoid, the Master must use his talents to liberate three alien warlords held captive on Earth. Can he turn the tables on his oppressors? Mm, is that right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of... I was kind of lukewarm on this one. Yeah, lukewarm's a good definition for it. It didn't wow me out of the gate for the book. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting choice to start the book with this one because the way it's structured, um, I, 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 I was not a fan of the disjointed yeah. um, nonlinear editing yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that, was, that was at work. And obviously it's, it's done for a reason, but I don't know that it was necessary. When you when you get down to it, in fact, there's one of the one of the passages uh, winds up actually happening well before everything else, but you don't realize it because it comes so late in the run. And it's like, oh, I see what you did, and I just I just don't know that it was necessary for the 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 way the story was portrayed. It didn't necessarily yeah. tie into that. It was all that well, but um, that made me think. Well, this this is a very um, like I don't know. I wanted more. With, with the fact that the master's in jail and my first thought was this is um, Stormgate or, or Seagate or whatever the whatever Storm, the prison Storm in the Cage. third doctor. Stormcage. Say, which one? Stormcage? No, 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 no. The, the actual prison. Oh, the, prison the one called, that he was in. in uh, yeah, the Seaside the Resort. <laughs> that was my first thought was ah, okay. that he was actually there or that the, the alien was casting him back there. Mm-hmm. Um uh, during it, but it, it it didn't quite. We didn't get enough to really know if that was meant to be the same one or not. But um, the idea of being able to mentally confine someone for weeks at a time, even though it's only been two minutes, is that, that I thought that was a very cool idea. And wow, if the master ever gets out of this, you guys are all dead because <laughs> he's gonna be so pissed off. But the actual story of why they were doing it and and the the reasonings behind it, I just was kind of like, eh. Yeah, I think that was my problem is I I was intrigued by this whole slow captivity idea where, you know, it was just a few moments for the for the uh, jailer or the whatever he was, the warden. And but it was like weeks and weeks for the master. And I thought that was such a very cool concept that I think that had the story uh 
expounded on that a little bit. I think I would have been, I, that's more what I wanted. Um, I agree that the, the stories that we get in between with just these capturing these fugitive warlords, uh, I, it was different. It wasn't something that had, has been done before. I mean, it was kind of a, an, an cleverly written but it just it wasn't all that intriguing or exciting and i never really felt like there was any there wasn't anything on the line until the very end which i do like the conclusion of this i think the uh the double cross with the guy not actually being the the jailer not actually being who he says he was and that he was actually trying to uh rescue these guys so that they can you know go on and they were going to ditch the master and destroy earth i i liked that and i love i love the way that the master ends up uh uh, subverting that and getting his revenge on them. So all of that was really cool, but it felt like the lead up to that was just kind of a, a, a trudge and yeah, not yeah. all that exciting. Trudge is a good word for it. Well, it wasn't even like it was over. There was a little bit of clever ideas in how they revealed the warlords and got them to come with them, but it wasn't that, you know, he, the master puts on a, a disguise and, pretends to be somebody else it's not overly original as far as that goes yeah i feel like the delgado master deserved better than the story yeah although i think that the author had delgado's voice i think very much it was in the spirit of delgado so i think that 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 was nailed yeah. and the idea of using, i'll agree with that and the idea of using the the master of disguises um I think that that worked really well. All right. Anything else on this one? Let's move on to the next one. The dead travel fast. Holidaying in Whitby, Bram Stoker is plunged into a world of horror when a grandfather clock washes to shore together with the hideous remains of the dying master who will do anything to survive. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I like this one too. This was one of my favorites in the book. I would have to. I've agree. always loved any sort of story that, you know, gives a justification for why somebody would write a story like Dracula and how he came to that inspiration. And this does such a good job doing it all through Bram Stoker's eyes, too. It's never from the master's perspective, which I think executes it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're using, you know, crispy master here, um, ping pong ball, eye master <laughs> as, as Sean would call him. Uh, I think it works really well for that stories like this, where they utilize a perspective of a person and giving a reason or a history for why somebody did something or why somebody wrote something. They can be sort of hit or miss. There are some that can mm-hmm. be done really well. And there are some that are that are aren't so good. I think Time Lash is one of those ones that had a lot of perspective or a lot of potential with H.G. Wells, but I don't think it delivers. Whereas this idea mm-hmm. does, and it, I I like that it doesn't go so far as to uh, get too morbid, but it gets morbid and 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 enough in order for it to inspire the Dracula tale. And it doesn't hit you over the head with, we're doing Dracula, we're doing Dracula, we're doing Dracula. And it walks that fine line between that and stretching so far that it's Stretch Armstrong to make the two things fit together. Right. You know, that's where most of the stories either they fail because they are stretching so hard to make it be, you know, the connections kind of like Time Lash does, or they bang you over the head so heavy-handed that you it's there's no subtlety to it at all and this walks that fine balance where you see all the influences but never points out and says hey see how clever i'm being yeah yeah it's it's very much a time lash doesn't work because there's simply not enough reasoning for hg wells to be in the story he's just there and he doesn't glean it doesn't really feel like he gleans enough of war of the worlds or the time machine to really make that justifiable it's there but it's meh this however is like there's just it, it reminded me a lot of the uh oh what's the the 13th doctor story that they just aired um, frankenstein <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was very similar to that and first of all the fact that we get crispy master oh sweet <laughs> <laughs> i am all kinds of on board for this i'm so 
And the fact that that's the inspiration for the Dracula tale, not necessarily the, uh, you know, vampiric legends, but just the undead, right, the, the right. feeding on the life. And it's like, oh, that is so cool. Really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. And the descript the way the author describes, you know, not only the master, but the TARDIS from Stoker's perspective. Uh, you're, you're kind of having to interpret, oh, he's talking about the TARDIS. Oh, he's talking about the interior. He just does it so well and with such great descriptions that you can totally visualize it even without them using the words. Yeah. Yeah. Stroker, Stroker was just so well written uh, as, as a character, but also in how he would interpret things. And you can see how he makes the leap from this to the fictionalized account to come. Yeah. Based on, on how he's describing it now. I think one of the other things that it does, uh, it, it serves kind of retroactively. Um, I've always had, and, and I, they've probably done this in literature or, or other maybe audios or, or whatnot, but I think what it does for me is it it gives kind of a reason why Peter Pratt's crispy ping pong ball eye master is, an, is more deteriorated than Jeffrey Beaver's mm-hmm. uh, version. And it's, it gives an excuse for he's able to use the regenerative regenerative energy, or he's able to get a little bit of regeneration or drawing the life force out of other things. And it's never quite enough. And, and, and I think it's implied that he was, his next attempt would have been on a human. Um, if he, if, if, uh, uh Stoker had went, rescued the girl, but it, it gives you the impression that there is a reason why he's, not quite as uh, decayed and decrepit by the time that we get to uh, Keeper of Trocken. So I think mm-hmm. that that kind of, uh, like, uh, subtly answers that. Yeah, you also kind of get the impression that it doesn't last as long. Right, time right. Well, and I think that's why he was needing to work up to uh, bigger things <laughs> to draw the life force Yeah. Out. Good story. It Good is. Story. Yeah, that 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 I would agree with what Keith said. That's probably one of my all uh, favorites in the whole thing. All right, let's move on to the next one. Missy's magical mystery mission is Cleaner Daphne Nullis really the best choice to enter a contest to possess the ultimate power in the universe, and is the manically helpful hologram Miss E all she seems? I'll I'll bump 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 this one because I really liked this one. Let's talk about this one was a lot of fun. Talk about having uh, the voice of the character. I think this is Missy dead on. But I also like the idea that the majority of this is from a mistake that has happened with this. The, was it Daphne? Was that her name? Uh, with her, yeah. her ending up in the wrong wrong place at the wrong time and thinking it's something else thinking it's one of these retreats and thinking that she's you know i I love the whole setup of how she's kind of this good wholesome girl who's working for this you know crime lord or bad guy or or overlord or whatever he is over over this planet or, or society or whatever and but she works for him but her intention is you know you know instead of being as far away from him as she can, she feels that if she can be close enough to him to influence him to do just some nice things, that she's, you know, doing a good thing. And so she's deluded enough to be that at that point as we set it up, only to when she gets, you know, sent to this planet, that Missy's brought her to this planet with these other guys, and... The, the comedy of errors of her not understanding what's really going on here and, and playing this off, you know, like, well, it, it's, it's the retreat. It's a test. It's a, uh, you know, management sent us here in order to, you know, work together better. And, and thinking that the deaths weren't permanent, that they were probably zapped to, where, you know, back home or whatever. And being actually at one point envious that, that, that somebody would, had died because they probably were now home and she's still going on and she's tired. <laughs> I think it's just, oh, it's so good. And then, waiting. Maybe I should throw the next one. Right, exactly. And then, uh, <laughs> and then the lead up to the revelation of, of what this is and her actually being rewarded with it, I thought was just the, the icing on the cake. It was a lot of fun. I, I don't know that I was quite as enamored with the resolution. Um, because my, my, my first thought was it, it just felt like such a miscalculation on, on Missy on her part that 
you know, really, you, 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 you should, you should know better by now that you have this MO where you team up with the supervillain and then they turn on you and you don't have all your, your, your ducks in a row and you have to rely on somebody else for help. And that's, that's kind of your shtick. You would think that regeneration after regeneration after regeneration that you would have gotten it right. <laughs> and now you're telling me that you ultimately got zapped into this computer, that you're trapped in there, but you have managed to turn the tables on him and now you're going to, well, that's not going to work, dear. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, well, <laughs> so... I don't know. I, I I always want to give the the, the characters more credit, maybe than what they're due. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think though that oftentimes the trope is the master thinks, or mistress, or missy thinks that they are in control of a situation, and they partner with a with somebody or something or some race or some species, and then they always seem once it's revealed that they've been betrayed, or the master's been betrayed, or turned on then he, she is often put on their back footing for the rest of the story. So it's kind mm -hmm. of refreshing to have a story where she's already in control. She's already been duped into this situation. And she is, she, yeah, she's, and she's cleverly getting out of it to a point. Um, it does end up turning on the, on, on its head at the end for her anyway, but she ultimately gets, what she needed out of it so i to me that worked okay yeah i didn't have any problem with with that aspect of it at all and i had a lot of fun reading it i thought all the characters were a hoot and a bit ridiculous and daphne just felt so absolutely british about the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> so polite and proper yeah. about the entire process that it just made it so much fun to read it reads yeah, origin story for mary poppins yeah, <laughs> it uh, it reads very much like a Pratchett uh, novel too. It's just mm -hmm. the, the characters are very similar. The the stylized, which is interesting because I don't think I've ever read anything that Jacqueline Rayner's written that was in this kind of style mm -hmm. or tone. And so I think it was really neat that she was able to kind of put something forward that that's a little more unique and different than than I think she's typically done in the past. Did she write the Stone Rose? Oh, she has written so. so many things. I yeah, cannot, she did. I cannot remember. I would I, I say, I, I, I seem to think that the Stone Rose, there are elements of that toward the end when they're getting into the, oh, it's a it's a toy that grants wishes that I think maybe are, that's probably as close as we've gotten to something that's this farcical yeah. from her that, that I'm aware of that we've come across so far. She also wrote Earthworld, which was a little kind of out there as well not not crook not to be confused with crooked world <laughs> and she did write uh doctor who and the pirates oh yeah yeah oh, well. so she's been able to write outside the box on a lot of different things not none of them are ever the same though either so I suppose that's no, that's the no. mark of a good writer i guess very good well let's move on to the next one a master of disguise the master is forced to engineer a daring and desperate heist in order to save the architect of his many disguises from certain death. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, this one was good. This one might be my second favorite of, of the grouping. I really enjoyed the fact that we, we're just going to go ahead and lean into the idea that, yes, the master employs a guy to create rubber masks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just... Because it's one of those things that, you know, you, you, you watch the show and when he peels his face off, it's, it is not a really cool Mission Impossible digital, you know, because it couldn't be. Yeah. But they, they, they don't bother with any kind of uh, a techno babble. It's not a holographic imaging. It's not a forced perspective. Uh, this it's, it's not a perception filter. It's a rubber mask. Yeah. And the fact that he fools people with these rubber masks is always, you know, and I, I, I can't tell a lie. I'm always surprised. <laughs> he fools me with them. So the fact that this guy, this artist is hard at work creating all these things and the master's got him locked up and once again is outsmarted by him and outfoxed by him. It was like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Oh, and even to the fact where he eventually employs nesting plastic to make the masks. That yeah. makes total sense. Yeah, that was that was a cool tidbit. 
I think it's interesting how they depict the master as going to such lengths in order to try to save this mask maker. It's almost like he does wind up having an emotional attachment to the guy too, even though he tries to play it off as he doesn't. Yeah. He's, um, it's a weird dynamic because he, he, he keeps him locked up. He, he built the prison just to hold him. He ignores him for long stretches of time. And yet he's willing to drop everything at a moment's notice when it suddenly is, you know, wait, 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 what do you mean? You're not going to be here when I need you. Right. Right. When I got the impression because the, the master who kidnaps him is obviously it, it's implied that it's the Delgado master. So I, I kind of get the impression that the long period he was gone is when he's crispy and is working to get his body back or a body, you know, and has no use for rubber masks, but now he's restored himself and can now utilize Moses again. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a cool idea. And then, the exploration of the toll that takes on Moses and how long that takes is, is I thought fairly well done. So in your mind, then this is the Ainley master. This is definitely the, the Ainley one, master. Okay. The one who comes back later. Yes. Yeah. Is the Ainley. Yeah. The one that's that, what I took out of it as well. The one that, that took Moses uh, hostage or prisoner was the Delgado master. And the, the, the one that has come back and is in the majority of the story is the Ainley master. And I got the impression that, maybe I was just reading into it, knowing what the timeline would be is the reason he's dressed up as the fourth doctor is he knows that he can't, can't probably won't bump into him because he's regenerated. Right. Um, I, I, I like this a lot. In fact, I like that, that you're sort of set up to think that Moses has sort of gotten used to, in fact, he's, he's, he's happy with his situation because he refers to the fact that he's doing something that he, uh, you know, he, is basically getting to do his what he loves to do and so it puts you in this sense of he's you know uh complacent or not even complacent he's 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 satisfied with where he is is despite the fact that the monster's been gone uh for so long um uh, and yeah like like sean was saying to have the master come back and then suddenly oh well i need you <laughs> i i need your you know you I, you can't die i have to keep this going on. Um, I think the one thing that I think was necessary, but I felt like was too, still too much of a reward for the master. Although in these particular stories, the the master is for all intents and purposes, our protagonist. Uh, But it's implied that Moses left behind enough masks for many years, and many dupes to come. So the master still, yeah. even though he loses his mask maker, he still has, you know, dozens upon dozens of masks that he still can, can use. And it explains why, you know, he, he perhaps still employed masks occasionally after he, after his regeneration. And in my mind, that just uh, tied in uh, world enough. Is it world enough in time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah. There's one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think the other thing too, uh, that you, I was, I took away from this is at one point we, you were, Keith, you were talking about was because he was in between regenerations. And I think that probably is part of it, but I think also as he regenerated, regenerated into, uh, the Ainley doctor, doesn't he say at some point that he was trying to use, um, he was trying <laughs> he to use say- block. Uh, what you is just it? guys using block transfer computation. Yeah, block transfer computation in order to use the to do the disguises, but it didn't quite work out. So that's why he ends up uh, trying to utilize Moses again. Yeah, I like this one. It was good, and uh, I think it, again, I, I felt that I uh, and and maybe it didn't for you, Sean, because you you were questioning it. But I felt like it was very much in in the tone of the Ainley Master as well. It, yeah, no, it, it was. Um, I find perhaps this is sacrilegious. Ainley does a, a slightly more campy Delgado. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And, and when reading, I, I find that their voice is similar enough that without the Ainley camp kind of layered on top of that, it's easy to kind of for me to fall into the, I'm really not sure which version this is. And I, like you, it wasn't until the block transfer computation line that I went, ah, okay, that's that defi- de- defies it a little bit more for me that it's yeah. probably the, the Ainley Master. But 
I don't know if any of the other masters would be campy enough to try to pull off the fourth doctor. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I don't know if any of them had the flair for that. Missy. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, yeah, she she would be the one. Well, shall we move on to Nart- the Night Harvest? A farm worker from a backwater planet, Tala has always dreamed of meeting a stranger from the stars. When the master arrives, the truth of her world is exposed in a way that will change her life forever. I'm going to give this one a bump, 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 but it's one that kind of comes at the end of the story. Because as it progressed, I really wasn't sure I was enjoying it. It was okay. You know, it it was just kind of there. And, well, the master's using somebody, but this is time it's, you know from their point of view so it's like oh you poor thing you know you're going to we know what's going to happen of course and then it didn't we we kind of got the the rug pulled out from under us mm-hmm. with the way that the the twist at the end happened and i was like i'm strangely satisfied with this and now i kind of want an adventure with the master and his companion yeah. i i want more of this kind of dynamic to see what happens yeah i think they have i think they've probably addressed this but when i as we were going through this i almost sort of wondered if this was lucy um and that <laughs> later it would be revealed that you know that they ended up getting married she changed her name and to pull off this whole saxon ploy uh i kind of thought maybe they were going down that road now as as the story progressed and things kind of changed i could tell they were going a different route with it but i'm with you sean i think that for the most part it was a middling story until the end and then when they kind of when when they kind of turned it on its head i sort of thought okay that the end justified the means the the end justified how we got there The, the 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 lead up to it now feels much better because of where we ended up and sometimes the story will do that and you'll look back and go okay i did enjoy that story i just didn't know it until we got to the resolution because there's no you know real reason given for why he's mucking around with the vines right right the 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 science elements of it are just kind of there as the framework because it's all about her reactions to him Mm mm-hmm and I think that's why that payoff works is because there was no MacGuffin. There was no rest of the story that we were missing out on. It was purely about moving her from this to this. Yes. So that, I think that's why it suddenly worked. Because if we, if, we, if we hadn't gotten that twist at the end, then I would have questioned, well, why were we bothering with all of this? But it wasn't necessary. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm along the same lines. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's do the last one, which was a long one. <laughs> <laughs> The longest of them all. The Master and Margarita. Marooned by the Doctor on Earth for 77 years, the Master becomes scientific advisor to the Soviet equivalent of units, with a deadly agenda of his own. But his plans to take a strange his plans take a strange twist with the coming of an unearthly comrade cap. <sighs> Somebody else bump up all this one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't know that can. I could bump on bond. <laughs> Um, there are elements to the story that I enjoyed, but I think this story was way too long and middling for its own good. I think that this story could have been the same length as any other story and in this book and still been what it was. I think to me, there feels like there is a, there feels like there was a, an idea here for a novel, for a bigger, for a bigger, longer form story. And then didn't it just feels like as it's being written it's like okay i don't know that it is a novel so maybe it's a novella and then as you're reading it i kind of think well i'm wondering even if there's enough here for it to be a novella because really all i'm doing is getting a lot of what the master is doing on earth while he's waiting to catch back up to part two of skyfall um so I just I didn't I don't think the story's all that exciting. I the, the double cross from the, uh, the 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 weird extraterrestrial guy and the Silurian girl or or sea devil girl, whichever one. I don't I'm not even sure what we were supposed to imply. They talked about the third eye, so I'm assuming it was one of the. I'm the, assuming it was just a, yeah, Silurian. Well, or yeah, yeah. Uh, so I I, I kind of went that way too, but just it seemed like there was a lot. It, I like the idea of the master having his own unit to serve. Um, that was kind of 
a neat perspective as with the first, you know the last story the the master you know picking up a companion in this story it's the master you know uh basically subverting his way into a unit situation for Russia rather than the UK or the the, the UN so the idea there is sound but it just there's a there's not a lot of there's not a lot going on in this story and then to I thought that the the resolution of it did catch me off guard. I had no idea that his uh, experiment with uh, mind control was what was happening to him. So kudos to the author for being able to write it in such a way that I didn't figure that out until the bird landed on his shoulder and was in you know in that cave and so i that was neat and that was a neat resolution but it took way too long to get there and maybe it needed a lot of that setup to get to that but i still think it could have been a shorter story yeah i I think the idea of the master with a russian unit is a cool idea but it felt like he needed to have some sort of ulterior motive other than biding his time the entire time yeah I was waiting for his, his the other shoe to drop for, for his his real master plots to be revealed, and there really wasn't one. There's not, yeah. Right. I think the detriment to this is, and, and and maybe this is our misfortune, coming off of the Unbound universe. If this had been an Unbound master story, where he served as the scientific advisor to Russia during the same time frame that the doctor was was unit scientific advisor. And there were a few more world-shattering implications of that. You know, if you, if you could up the stakes, if you could throw an alien invasion that he kind of thwarts because he can't take it over the way he would want, or, you know, something that, that, that justifies him being there. Or, heck, give him the invasion you know, flat out because it's an Elseworlds tale. I think it would have worked better, Yeah. but we we're not in that universe We're we're in the regular universe. So then suddenly it's, you have to continue to be relegated to the background. You can't do anything flashy. You, you're, you know, you're behind the iron curtain. It's whatever you do is going to remain secretive there. Right. And so the, the stakes really never were anything other than, for him and the people that were, were surrounding him. That was as, as big as it got. Is he going to kill the next door neighbor? You know, is, is, is the Silurian going to turn the tables on him? It, nothing really happens. Right. And for as long as this thing is, and it is long, and I, I, I don't want to, you know, dog on that aspect of it because there's an interesting story here. But if we're not going to get anywhere... Why spend this length spinning our wheels? Mm-hmm. That to me is the biggest. Ugh. Uh, yeah, I I, it, it, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I think I, I think that's why I think I would have probably enjoyed this story had it been much shorter, because I think that mm-hmm. you didn't have to have a lot of that long form setup. I don't think you had to have. I don't think you had to have that setup of how he and Cavo had gotten in, infiltrated into the 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 uh, soviet equivalent of of unit i don't think you needed all of that i think you could have dropped it in the middle of that already happening i don't think you had to establish a lot of the the side characters that we had going on here um i think you had you had to have some key players in order to present to us that the master had a way to make people believe that they were in certain situations and it was very real to them and impresses bosses and then have it used against him without him knowing it i think all of that could have been done and still been a good story in a much more compact version yeah and it feels to me slightly out of character the fact that he's developing these relationships with all these people i mean everything we've seen of this master aside from the deception he was putting on at the beginning of skyfall spyfall was nothing that would show that he would form these emotional attachments and he seems to have formed that with the silurian lady and the neighbor next door and even the the russians he was working with so it also just felt out of character to him for him this was another one that other than the occasional turn of phrase i was never 100 percent for certain which master it was meant to be his 
interpersonal relationships and how cordial he was, how civilized he was, very much put me in mind of the Delgado yeah. master. But it, it just felt like, well, it's got to be, and honestly, for me, it was kind of process of elimination because, well, we haven't had one with the current master and he's on the cover of the book. So that's probably who this is. But I never really felt like the voice got there for me. Well, there's that conversation with Caveau. Yeah, I agree. It does not feel like Sacha Dewan's master. But there's that conversation very early on where he explains why he's been waiting for 77 years. And he particularly refers to the master, to the doctor as she. So that right there was like, okay, well, you've cemented it for me who this master's supposed to be. And I was the I same must way. I must have glazed over that part of it then because I, I remember. The conversation about, oh, he's over there, he's set up, is it my fault that, you know, they tend to like Suffolk or wherever he's, you know, invading in England right, right now. But right. Well, and uh, that was the other thing that, that I, part of it. That is, that's the other thing I think was done well that, to drive home the fact that the master knew that he couldn't do anything very overt because yeah. he would, he would mess up things because he's, there's another version of him that is over in the UK where the where the doctor is doing his thing and i th- i think you it's also implied that he has to basically wait out these 77 years and so mm-hmm. i think that i'm i'm on the opposite side of of keith of i kind of liked exploring the fact that he does get cozy up to some people because he it is i mean obviously he was what he got sent back he got stranded in the uh world war 2 yeah, world war 2 and mm-hmm. so that's been, it's already been 30 years that he's been, you know, stuck and, or 25 years since he's been stuck. And so he's biding his time. And I think that what this story does is it shows the doctor letting, or the master letting his, his guard down a little bit. And maybe because of the length of time that he's here and he can't be too overt about his plans and he can't. So I can see him starting to get attached. And I think that's why I think it's, it's written well at the end that he walks away from it all. Because I sort of expected him to give uh, the next door neighbor lady a little more sympathy than he does when he, when he walks away from it all. And so I think it's at that point in the book that or in the story that he turns, he realizes that, hey, I am getting a little too soft here. I need to kind of straighten myself out. And I think that that's also why he falls under the uh, the trap of, what was it? They kept calling him Comrade Cap and Caveau, the, the double cross of Caveau. I think that the, the idea was he was getting, he got reckless, he got comfortable, and he learned from that. And so that probably was even more informed the character that we got post uh, Skyfall. That's a good point. Um, yeah. and I hadn't really thought that, that thought of it that way, but as to also going back to what Sean was saying about voice, there were large chunks of this book or the story that I forgot it was the master. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I like the, the misdirection at the beginning where we don't know who this guy is and he, we just assume he's a Russian and then they reveal that, Oh no, wait, that's actually the master. But then even after that, throughout the book, there would be times until he would go to reference the doctor or reference the master. I would forget that it was, I was reading about the master. Yeah. A little, a little too much deep cover. Matthew sweet. What else has he written? Name sounds vaguely familiar. Nothing that we've reviewed. Uh, he's done some you're pig the, rage. You're the pig. You're yeah. the pig. Magic mouse trap. That's the only thing we've heard. Yeah. We haven't got to those two yet. And some Jago and Lightfoot. Yeah, no, we've so. done we've done Magic Mouse Trap, haven't we? I, so. I don't think so. Isn't that the Seventh Doctor and the? Uh, oh, that yeah, Seventh Doctor and Hex and uh, the, the, yeah, the Toy Maker. Yes. Oh, the, the Toy Room. Right, right. It is. Yes, we have done that one. Okay. So yeah. So looking back overall, this the book. I think it's it's got some wins and it's got some losses. I think it's its biggest detriment as a as a whole is it's a collection of short stories plus one novella which i didn't think it needed to be um i i have to wonder if the book came about the anthology idea came about based on one long story or if the 
and thought they or they didn't feel that the book was going to be long enough if they didn't do that because they didn't have enough right i don't know where they came from from that but i think that it does a disservice to have the one long story that toward sort of meanders and doesn't do much um and and almost it almost short it, it makes it feel like the ones that i enjoyed more i wish we had they had been longer I wish I'd have gotten more yeah. time with them if, if we're going to, you know, truly balance. But, you know, when people sub- submit stuff, I don't think they're under so much, you know, okay, it has to be. It's not like the, you know, new adventure and target days where you had to be <laughs> you know, 180 pages and, and you're done. Um, so I don't think there's that many restrictions when they're setting these things up. But I don't know how book ends up being so unbalanced like this. I'm kind of glad that this story, the long one, they they structured it to be last because it had this story been first, I would have been a little disheartened to continue the book. Yeah, that's true. Although the book would have flown by right after that. <laughs> well, that's true. It would have been quickly over. Yeah. Or even if they had stuck it smack dab in the middle, it would have been like a a slog through the middle half of the book. It would have yeah. been. God, yeah, that would have been like reading the two towers. Just going on and on and on and on. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm with you. There's there's a couple of nuggets of of gold in here, but man, it was a lot of work to get to them. Mm. All right, well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, we revert to big finish storytelling as we uh, jump into the war, the time war. And we're gonna <laughs> the, war. <laughs> we the war. We jump the war. The war. Uh, Big Finish, the War Doctor series, uh, and we're going to do the complete series one, book one. I'm not sure what the box set one, however you want to look at it. <laughs> volume one. Uh, volume one. The, the the three stories included are The Innocent, The Thousand Worlds, and The Heart of the Battle. Only the Monstrous. That is next, followed by A Return to Titan Comics and The Thirteenth Doctor, volume two, which is the graphic novel that con- uh, contains... Issues five through eight, and then uh, return to the uh, eighth doctor. Paul McGann graces us with uh, big finish eighth doctor adventures, uh, season four, number two, situation vacant. So, Dang. for those of you that like to uh, keep along with us, there's that. Um, following that, we have a, a, a discussion on base under siege stories kind of the, the, the concept, the rules. Is it good for Doctor Who? That kind of thing. Just a, just a generalized discussion plan. And I want to ask you guys here, it was brought up as to whether or not that should be open for uh, feedback from our listeners or how we wanted to handle that. And I don't know, maybe we want to throw that out there to uh, the listeners to, to let us know if they want to take part in the discussion or. Sure. Yeah. No, I like the I like the idea. Okay. Then uh, let us know. Do you want to take part in the base under siege discussion? <laughs> Or should we just open it up now and say, start sending your notes in? Start sending your notes. Send your, start sending send your, your feedback. We'll, we'll open it back up the feedback lines. <laughs> <laughs> one week and one week only. <laughs> Very good. Well, be sure to check out our website, drivingthevortex.com, for updates. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? And You can do that by clicking on the Patreon link and consider supporting us. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to podcasts, especially Apple Podcasts, because it helps bump us up in the ratings and recommendations. And then make sure you join in the conversation and our, on our listeners' forum on Facebook and engage with other listeners and share your thoughts and insights. Anything else we need to do before we close this one out? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. No, I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You will obey us. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.